Hey, beautiful friends. Welcome to the Savor Podcast. We're so excited for you to join us today as we dive into the goodness of God together. Our hope is for you to be encouraged, challenged, and entertained as you listen to hosts Stacy and Suzanne, along with special guests as they have honest and real conversations about how to savor God's Word as they grow in their relationship with Christ. We hope you'll encourage a friend or two to listen with you so you can keep the conversations going. We're all about community here. Hey, ladies. You are going to be listening to our first episode on the book of Amos that we are doing this summer. At the end of this episode today in our savor moment, you're going to hear me ask you to read 1 Kings 12, 16 through 30. And you can read that because it's all about King Jeroboam the first. However, what we really want you to be reading for homework is 2 Kings 14 verses 23 through 29. That describes the reign of King Jeroboam the second. And King Jeroboam the second is who was reigning when Amos began giving his prophecies. We hope you enjoy this summer series and this episode. Hey, hey, welcome to another episode of Saber. Uh, we are so excited that you guys are here with us today. And um, as we are doing a first here on Saver, we are going to go through a book of the Bible together. But before we talk about that a little bit, I was thinking this morning about, I was looking at, uh, thinking about my Mother's Day gift since we just passed Mother's Day and just kind of laughing about that. And it made me think, Stacey, what is one of the funniest, maybe, gift you've received recently? Well, I would say funny only in the sense that I'm very thankful for it, but it revealed some very obvious things that I would rather ignore in my life. So, Oh, do tell us what that is, please. <laughs> so, ladies, just to let you know, I'm getting a little bit older. I am well into middle-aged, creeping up um, even past that. And my eyesight is not as good as it used to be. Your eyesight's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> She is looking me dead in the face. It's terrible. It is terrible. It's one of the things that Chris and I argue about because we're in the grocery store and I'm like, wait, no, the the expiration date's right there. And he's like, no, that says no MSG. And I was like, oh, I thought it said August 3rd. Jeremy will bring me things out in the refrigerator. He's like, is this still good? I can't read the expiration date. Yes. So a very dear friend of mine that I love realizes this about me that I can't see very well. And she was like, I have the perfect birthday gift for you. And so she gave me one of those giant mirrors that is a magnifying mirror that has a light on it so that I can see everything. Ladies, I mean, everything. (laughs) I don't want one of those. I like living in ignorance. Yeah, no, I did too until I saw it and I was mortified. Y'all, I had a black hair coming out of my chin on the right and left side of my chin that I could have never seen without this mirror. And so as I'm like looking in it, the Lord was just like, yeah, you can pretend that you don't have black hair coming out of your chin. It's still there, girl. At least now you can take care of it. I'm going to tell you the story. This is funny. So um, my oldest child, I had her when I was very young, and so when she was a teenager, some of the moms were probably more like my age now or a little bit younger. Um, but this 
woman came to pick up her child and she was like super red. Like her whole neck was really red. Like, and I was like, what, are you okay? And she was like, oh no, I was just getting um, like laser hair removal on my neck and chin. And I was like, oh. And when she left, I was like, I am so thankful that I don't have neck and chin hair. And now I get Jeremy up in there. I'm like, Jeremy, can you come over here and see if you can get any of this? So I think it's just a normal thing. Can we just normalize having chin hair? Okay. Yeah, black chin hair, That neck hair, whatever. It makes me feel so much better because actually the very first time I saw it was when we were away together in Hilton Head um, for our encounter weekend. You saw one of mine? No, I saw mine because we were at the hotel and they had one of those magnifying mirrors. And I remember being like, Oh my goodness. And I was so embarrassed by it. I don't even know if I told you about no, you it. No, you didn't. No, because I was mortified. I'm like, how long have I had this black chin here? And I didn't know. And I didn't even see it. And I think I was telling my friend about it. And I was like, man, I don't want one of those mirrors, but I think I need one. And because she loves me, she bought me one of those mirrors for my birthday. Oh, that's so funny. Well, good. Well, we're just going to normalize um, that today. So uh, our saver moment can be <laughs> go check your chin hair. Go check your chin hair. Hey, listen, you're not alone in it. And if you're like in your early 20s listening to this. And you're like, ew, gross. Yeah, I'm just telling you, you're going to end up with hair in places you don't want it. And you're going to lose the hair in places that you do want it. Because the other thing I have realized is I have no eyebrows, you guys. None. I have no. They're just blonde, aren't they? No, they don't exist. Oh. Go look in my magnifying mirror with me. This is coming. This is your future. (laughs) But we have hope for you. Sort of like the book of Amos. It starts out really, really bleak. What a great segue. Chin hair to Amos. (laughs) Yes. So tell us a little bit, like, what made you want to choose this book? Well, I would say that maybe I didn't choose this book, but the Lord really impressed it upon me. So I've shared with you guys before that part of my Uh, time alone with the Lord is just sitting in His presence, listening. And sometimes He speaks to me by dropping a book of the Bible, the chapter, and the verse. And I have no idea what it is, and I just write it down. It happened this morning, but it's not. It isn't real. So I don't know. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. I just write it down. And this there are times when it is profound. And this was one of those times I was just sitting in my quiet time, had not thought about the book of Amos like at all, had not done any interest in it, like hadn't looked at it. And I just heard the verse Amos 1-7. And so as I sat, I wrote it down. And when my 10 minutes of quiet time was up, I looked it up. And this is what Amos 1-7 says, ladies. It says, so I will send fire upon the wall of Gaza and it will consume her citadels. I don't know about you, but that wasn't like, oh, thank you, Lord. I'm going to hold on to that verse all day. It was, what in the world are you trying to say? Or did I just make that up? Is that really you, Lord? And so I kind of just left it there on the page (laughs) and thought, if you want to talk to me more about that, Lord, okay, I'll listen to you, but I don't know what it means. I did go read the first chapter of Amos, and it's you know, it talks about for three transgressions and for four, I'm going to send a fire. I'm going to burn it down. And I was like, dang, that is really scary. So maybe three or four days went by and I just happened to be scrolling on Instagram. And I rarely scroll on Instagram to be truthful. I mean, you know, you interact with me on Instagram. I'm not real good at it. a month or so to get 
a response. Yeah. Yeah. I'm terrible at it. And so I just happened to be one night scrolling on Instagram and lo and behold, there's a Bible study for women that's out on the book of Amos. I felt like that was not really just a coincidence. I felt like the Lord was like, yeah, girl, you need some direction as you read this book. Because the reality is Amos is a book that was written uh, somewhere between like 750 to like 760 or something. There's a kind of, you know, but a 700 years before Christ. So it was written a really long time ago by some dude that I don't really connect with. And so I started that Amos study because I really felt like the Lord was like, I want you to press into this study. And interestingly enough, as I began doing it and as I began reading it, it's just been a theme for me. And so I that's kind of how we were led to it. And the Lord has used it. I remember a couple of months ago, I have a friend who's going through some difficult things and I, my heart was broken for her and I was driving down the road and I caught myself calling out to God the things in Amos. I know there have been three and four transgressions. I know she's committed transgressions. I have committed transgressions. We don't deserve your mercy, but God, I am asking for your mercy. And it was amazing to me how recognizing what was written by Amos so long ago was being used in real time as I'm driving down the road, interceding for my friend and pleading with God to have mercy. And that's really the big theme of Amos is the idea of God's justice and mercy. Well, that's that's good stuff. I'm excited to, to get into it with everybody. But so Amos is a book in the Old Testament. Yes. And Amos is a prophet. Yes. A minor prophet. Yes. What does that mean? So Amos is considered one of the minor prophets, and there are terms called major prophets and minor prophets. And the difference is the length of the book. That's it. I used to think that the major prophets were like the heavy hitters, the all-stars, and the minor prophets were the B-team guys who really didn't have much influence. But literally, the term major prophet versus minor prophet just means the major prophets are people like Isaiah and Jeremiah because their books are longer. The minor prophets are guys like Amos and Joel and uh, Nahum and those kind of guys uh, are your minor prophets. Yeah, that makes sense. I didn't know that either until you were telling me about that one day. I think when you were doing your Amos, I know you were teaching somewhere one day. Um, but yeah, that makes more sense because it does. It's not going to have like an A team and a B team. Right. No. Prophets. Yeah. No, they were all speaking. And these guys were prophets speaking on behalf of what the Lord called them to do. Interestingly with Amos, though, he is a little bit different than some of the other prophets. So... During this time before Christ came, God was speaking through these people to tell them about the Messiah and the coming things that were going to happen. And um, there were schools of prophets. There were people who were trained in this, who traveled in this. Amos was not a part of that. And so if you read Amos uh, chapter 1, starting in verse 1, it talks about the fact that he was a sheep herder from Tekoa. Amos, by definition, you see it in Amos 1 and again in Amos 7, and we'll get into it as we do this study. 
Amos was not a prophet who hung out with the school of prophets. He wasn't a guy who was like called into full-time ministry per se, like we would think about today. He was a guy who was just tending sheep. And he's also later, we see he was a, a, a fruit farmer, basically. He grew sycamore figs. And so Amos was just a guy who worked the land and grew fruit, and God called him out, and God called him to tell Israel what was going to happen. Now, Amos was from Tekoa, which is between six and 10 miles south of Jerusalem. So when you're thinking about the country of Israel, at the time of Amos, it was broken into two kingdoms. There was the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, and Judah was the southern kingdom, Israel was the northern kingdom. Which is very confusing. I remember when I was teaching one time, I was teaching on Hezekiah, and I was trying to understand, get a grasp on this, because it's Israel, but then there's a kingdom of Israel, which is the northern, and Judah is the southern. The Bible Project had a great drawing that helped me. So (laughs) you're struggling with that. But Israel was a kingdom in Israel. Yes. But the northern section Yes. yes. I still confusing. get it confused yeah. sometimes, and I have to remember northern was who, southern yeah. was who. But basically, um, the thing I do love about Amos, though, he was a little bit of a drama guy when he is delivering the message. So he gets called by the Lord to go to the northern kingdom of Israel, where King Jeroboam was ruling, and he was not a good king. Um, and Amos starts telling the northern kingdom of Israel, these people are bad because of this. And he's talking about foreign nations. He's telling Israel, man, this foreign nation is bad. This foreign nation is bad. This one is bad. And all the people in that kingdom are like, yeah, Amos is our boy. We get behind Amos. We like Amos. And then all of a sudden he comes to the climax and he's like, oh, by the way, kingdom of Israel, you are bad. And he basically tells them, and they've already been on his side. He's already gotten them to cheer and be excited. And then he turns it around and says, this is what you're doing wrong. And some of the things that we see that they were doing wrong is they were oppressing the poor. At the time that Amos is writing this book, Israel was experiencing a lot of economic prosperity. Things were going really well, and there was a lot of peace in the land, and they weren't fighting within. The the two kingdoms were separated at this point. They weren't fighting with each other, and they weren't fighting with other countries. So there was a time of peace and economic prosperity. But you know what happened? The people began oppressing the poor. And I'm just going to tell you, God is not into that. Like, it is not okay. If things are going well for you, it is not a time for you to just enjoy and relax and take advantage of people who are suffering. Not that I think any of you ladies are doing that. I'm just saying we'll see through the book of Amos that as Christ followers, it is our obligation to stand up for the least of these. And that's what Amos is calling them to do. Yeah, that was one of the things that... I really was struck in the beginning of Amos. It's such a reminder um, that God is a just God. Yes. And that, you know, we see so much culturally. We're like, you know, where's God in this? Where's God in this? And I get that. Like, I have felt that. Like, you know, but God is a just God and there will be judgment. Yes. And um, I think that that's very evident. And the things that we see 
these nations and Israel um, being called out for are things that allow us to see that God is is just yes. and that he is not a God who is just going to stand by and let oppression and exploitation of people happen. Right. And I think for us today, why does that matter for us today? Because I think sometimes we see the least of these being oppressed and we don't understand that. And Amos reminds us God sees it all, and He's not going to tolerate it forever. And as we get into this, um, we will look at it chapter by chapter. So kind of to give you an idea of what's coming for this summer series is we will be recording and releasing a podcast once a week where we're going to give you guys a little bit of homework if you want to. And if you don't have time or you don't want to do that, then you can just listen to these podcasts and learn about a book of the Old Testament that you may not have even realized existed. But what we're going to do is go through it chapter by chapter. We're going to do a little bit of reading and kind of digging into that and responding to it. And I think it's important for us to remember God is a just God. And the other thing that stood out to me as I studied the book of Amos He is a covenant-keeping God. Covenant is real for God. It's real important. And he was in covenant relationship with the people of Israel, even though they were sinning against God's people and they were sinning against God. God said, I am going to keep a covenant with you. I will not break covenant with you, even if you try to break covenant with me. And again, a main takeaway is maybe you are feeling like, you've kind of disappointed God. Maybe you feel like you haven't been living up to your end of the bargain with God. And I just want you to hear this. You cannot cause God to break his covenant with you. I want to say that again. You cannot cause God to break his covenant with you. If you are in Christ, if you've given your life to Christ, you are in the family of God. And even if you suffer, because you did something wrong or you just suffer, God's never going to break covenant with you. And that's one of the big themes we see in the book of Amos is because he is a just God. He is full of mercy and he does keep his covenant with his people. And he's going to keep a remnant of people who are going to respond to him. And I think that's so pertinent for where we are in our culture right now, because I think The more I listen to things, the more I read articles, there is a shift in the American church going on. There's a shift away from Scripture and God's truth. In the last episode, we talked about the authority and the sufficiency of Scripture. And I think some Christians want to be Christians without the authoritative word of God through Scripture. And... I think God's calling out a remnant, a group of people. The word remnant literally means a group of survivors after a catastrophe. Y'all, I'm just going to be honest. We have walked through a catastrophe with the pandemic and the social unrest that has been in our country, the amount of gun violence that's been in our country. We have been through a time of catastrophe, and God is calling out to a group of people Hey, I'm calling out a remnant so that you can remember who I am, so that you can share the good news of Jesus Christ and give others hope. And that, 
Amos isn't going to sound super hopeful in the beginning. Yeah, we got to just get through that part. That's yeah. right. It's going to be rough in the beginning, kind of like when I looked in the mirror and I saw the black hair for the first time. It was pretty rough. But now, every day, I give myself a good close-up look to make sure there's no black hair there. And if there is, I pull it out. And, um, you know, it's good to be able to get to that point. Yeah, I mean, that word will preach. Yeah. I mean, you would be surprised that that word would preach about plucking your black hairs out your face, but it would. I mean, it's kind of like, um, you know, the pruning process. And I think going into it with an open heart, yeah, you might not be, you know, stealing from poor people to make yourself more wealthy. Um, I don't know, maybe you are, but be willing to look at yourself in the mirror through this first part. Um, But I mean, we're going to see a remnant saved through Amos. And I think what you said is so true just about... Um, we need a rising up of people who do see the Bible as the authoritative word of God. You know, it's real easy to say you want to be a Christian, but then just live whatever way you want to live. And it's not about being good. This isn't about just morality. It's about bringing people to God based on the fruit that we bear. And the Bible shows us how to do that. Yes, and I love this, and it's not lost on me. I love what you just talked about. We are not talking about morality for morality's sake. Mm. We are talking about fruitfulness, and that is really the key there. So it's not about whether or not you're lying on your taxes or you're taking advantage of someone in some way, Um, but it's about is there fruit in your life? In John, it says, it is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. And one of the prayers that I've recently started Started praying for my kids because I have, you know, teenagers and an early adult child is that not necessarily for their morality. Like I, I think when my kids were younger, I could parent in such a way that they had to make morally right choices. But as I am transitioning to be the parent of an adult child, my greatest prayer for my daughter is let her be a fruit producer. Let her produce fruit for the glory of God, not let her you know, live the most moral upright life. Because I think if we focus on producing fruit for the glory of God, the only way I'm producing fruit is by remaining in the vine. If I remain in him and he remains in me, that's where we are able to produce that fruit. And out of that, morality will happen. But for so long, I focused on morality, morality, morality. And I it is not lost on me that Amos is a fruit farmer, right? You know, he's a fruit farmer, you guys. So a big theme is produce fruit in your life. Let's pay attention to that. And the only way we're going to be able to do that is remaining in Christ. And John 1 says, Christ is the word. Jesus is the word and the word was made flesh and it dwelt among us. And we have God's word alive and active in our Bibles, and we need to be in them, reading them. And the other thing I want to do is dismantle any um, fear or um, just how you feel inadequate when you approach scripture. Because I can tell you, when God was like, Yeah, go read the book of Amos, I'm like, Lord, what in the world does that have to do with me today? Like, I just can glance over Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Jonah, Micah. Like, I can't even believe you can say all those. Girl, that was sword drill from when I was seven years old. And yeah, I had well, to we memorize didn't do that. We didn't do that. <laughs> we had to do sword drill as a little girl. But all of those books seem like, Yeah, you know, why do I need to read these? 
old dead prophets that lived almost 800 years before Christ. How in the world can that have an effect on me today? Because as we'll see when we read through Amos, there are patterns of human behavior that are consistent that happened 800 years before Christ, so almost 3,000 years ago. And this is the beautiful part. There is a pattern of the nature and character of God that is un changing. He is the same God 3,000 years ago as he is today. And I think that is a really encouraging reminder. So we want to be able to be women who get into God's word, who start reading God's word. Even when we don't know the difference between a minor prophet and a major prophet, you have to start somewhere. And we hope that by going through the book of Amos over the next several weeks in this summer series, that it will get you excited about reading God's word, tasting and seeing that he is so good. Before we end, one of the other themes in Amos that I think is so important is the idea of sovereignty. Mm. So when you think about God's sovereignty, I remember I used to not know what that word meant. Yeah, of course. I was like, I don't, I remember when I was a teacher, I had a parent um, after the first day call me and just thank me for, you know, being the teacher on the first day. And she was excited for me. And she was like, just remember God is sovereign. And I hung up the phone and I was like, what in the world does that mean? I have no idea what it means that God is sovereign. I had no idea. I mean, what? It just means he's all powerful and has all authority. And the reason that we can trust him is because he is also holy and fully good. And so you'll see in chapter seven through nine, the word Lord God Almighty gets used. And that literally means sovereign God. He is a sovereign God. He has all power and authority. He had all power and authority in Amos's life and in Amos's generation. And for you today, whatever you are facing, wherever you are, whatever problem you have, whatever failure you have had in your life, he is an all-powerful, authoritative God who is in the business of reconciling. He is in the business of renewing. He is in the business of calling us back. And that is what we hope that we will get to enjoy as we read through the book of Amos. Yes. And I think that, you know, it just reminds me, listen to you talking about that, is that um, all over scripture, it talks about that in his word, we will put our hope and that we get hope uh, from his word. And so I think that is, um, you know, that's our, that's our hope is that, uh, by spending time together in the word, you will grow to know him more intimately, but also to live with more hope. Yeah. And I think this is a time when no matter where you are, Mm -hmm. we can all use hope in this world for sure. Okay, so I hope this has gotten you kind of excited um, to do this together. I know I'm excited. And so what exactly is our homework and what will be our savor moment for today? So I think for our homework today, what I would like you guys to do is to read 1 Kings chapter 12, starting in verse 16 through the end. And the reason I want you in 1 Kings 12, starting in verse 16, so 1 Kings 12, 16, read from there to the end. That is talking about the reign of King Jeroboam, and King Jeroboam was reigning 
when Amos began prophesying. And so I think it'll give us a little bit of a background. And that's something else. That's a technique that I didn't know much about. Uh, But when you're reading a book of the Bible, like these minor prophets, it's really helpful to put it in context. And I had no idea, you guys, that the Bible worked that way. That like, if I'm reading Amos, what Amos is writing had anything to do with 1 Kings, because 1 Kings is way before that. But that is how it is written in the Bible, that you can kind of cross-reference that. So you're going to need a good study Bible that has some cross-references in it so that you can see that. But I would encourage you, before you listen to our next episode on the beginning of Amos, today was just kind of an introduction and an overview, read 1 Kings 16. And we're going to talk about that a little bit and then get into some of the first chapter of Amos. So if you want to be overambitious, you can go ahead and read the first chapter of Amos. Yes. And remember, we know it starts out bleak, but I promise you it ends up with such encouragement by the time you get to chapter nine. And there are a few highlights in between there as well. All right. Well, and then do we have a saver moment? I think so. I mean, I think we would be remiss not to talk about a fig recipe, right? Oh, yes. What's your favorite fig recipe? The one you're about to share, because <laughs> I don't make anything with fig, um, but I had this at your house, and it's really good. Yeah. It's, it's amazing how we all are so blessed, because my husband loves to cook. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, we were like making yourself make your pizza, and I was like, I don't know what to put on. I mean, like that's how bad I am at cooking. I'm like, I don't even know what to put on here, and Chris was like, just give me your plate, and yes. so I think he basically made this for me. So we are going to attach a recipe for a pizza that we do, and it is a pistachio pesto that we make a homemade pesto, but instead of pine nuts, we use pistachio nuts. And then uh, it has grilled sausage on it. It has grilled figs on it. It has some arugula, some goat cheese dolloped on it, a little bit of Mike's hot honey drizzled across the top. It is a real... And I don't think I did Mike's hot honey. I just did like a balsamic glaze. You could do that. Or they actually sell a fig glaze in the grocery store. And so um, we want to encourage you, you know, get excited about tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. His word is good. Even when we don't understand it, even if in the middle of your quiet time, he gives you a verse like he gave me out of Amos 1-7 that's like, I'm going to burn it all down. I'm going to destroy your citadels. And I was like, I don't know. But I promise you, it has been a good journey through Amos for me. And I want to share that with you guys. So uh, for your savor moment, try this fig pizza and um, get excited about what God has for us out of this uh, minor prophet. Yeah, that's awesome. I can't wait. All right, guys. Well, thanks for being here with us. We love you guys, and we'll see you next week. Being with us today here at Savor. This podcast is a ministry of Crosstown Church. For information about SOAR Women's Ministry or Crosstown Church, please visit crosstownchurch.com or download the Crosstown app. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please remember to like, subscribe, or leave a review. This helps people find us.